Costa moves up to the edge of the penalty area, tees up Dallas in the D. Stuart Dallas outside her foot. Oh, what a finish from Stuart Dallas. Welcome to the official Leeds United podcast with me, Emma Jones, Jermaine Bedford, Matthew Lewis and Patrick Bamford. Have we all had a good Easter, lads? Belting. Belting? <laughs> yeah, it was nice. Patrick, did you get to like eat any Easter eggs at all? Yeah, I've probably had half of a big one, I think, uh, in total. I, no, because I smash it up in a bowl and then just go back to the fridge and pick bits out when I want it's it. A good, it's a good idea, that. Oh, you keep your chocolate no, in the really. fridge? Yeah, because it's hard to eat when it's melted, isn't it? Well, how hot's your house? You live in a sauna? Yeah, yeah. Do you live in a sauna? <laughs> no, but it seems to melt wherever we keep them. So. Um, each of their own, I suppose. What egg are we talking? What did you get? I think it was a lint one. But we also had a Ooh, um, M&S like, mixture. Oh, so a mixture of like white chocolate and milk chocolate. It was half and half. That one was banging. Oh, sounds all right. So I just smashed them all up in a bowl. Someone's doing fridge. well, aren't they? I had a mini eggs one. What did, what, what did you have, lads? Um, well, they don't, they don't do chocolate eggs over here. What? No. Yeah, it's not. They don't do it. It's not a thing. America, like the home of candy. Yeah, I know. It's wild, isn't it? The Easter's not a chocolate egg. Do you know what? I thought Bex was going to be the worst there, saying he had a vegan one, and now you've come out and said <laughs> you don't have chocolate ones. No, but the supermarket do. Um, they have a British section, and I managed to get a cream egg. Oh, I had high hopes yeah. then. I thought you were going to get a proper egg, but a measly little cream egg. That's Just a it, cream man. Egg. Yeah, the worst thing is I haven't had it yet. It's in the, it's in the cupboard. Oh, it's going to be melted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Should have put it in the fridge, shouldn't I, Pat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jermaine, did you have a vegan Easter egg? I did indeed, and it was lovely. Delightful. You wouldn't have even noticed the difference. <laughs> oh, Patrick, you're making it that's quite clear. That's not at all, is he? <laughs> that, was, that sound was exactly how I was feeling as he was talking. Before we move on, Patrick, you've eaten half of your yeah. lint egg. That's a good quality egg. Does that mean the other half's still left? Yeah, it's in the fridge. It's just ready for when I want to go Do you have back to wait to end the season? Or can you have end, it? End yeah. the season, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what? It, it depends on when I wake up in the morning and stand on the scales. If I'm in my target, then... After training, I know I've got a little bit of room to play with. So <laughs> first thing I'll do is go in the fridge and get a bit. That's fantastic. I love that. I lo- that's exactly what we'd all do, isn't it? Let's be honest. Right yeah. then, let's talk seriously for a minute because last week's episode, um, it was a bit different, wasn't it, for us all? But mm. it was something, a subject that I know we all wanted to cover. We spoke about social media in light of the recent abuse a lot of players have experienced and we've had loads of lovely messages off the back of it. So thank you. Um, Rick tweeted to say, particularly great hashtag LUFC pod this week. The social media discussion was bang on. Well done, everyone. Uh, ben Wallace tweeted, I love the official LUFC podcast for the banter, but this week was amazing for serious reasons. The measured and eloquent way that Emma, Jermaine, Matt and Pat dealt with social media abuse led me to play it to my eight-year-old to give her an insight. I think that's the only time anyone's ever going to call us eloquent. Um, <laughs> at MH Wardy also tweeted to say, as a year six primary teacher, social media can cause issues out of school amongst peers. Good news is it features heavily on the computing curriculum. Education is happening in schools, but more needs to continue to be done alongside parents, which touches on what um, you were saying, Matt, about it being education. So that's really, really good to know that that's being recognised now. Very kind of you, but it was actually you, Emma. 
A lot of back slapping was going it? right now, but it was actually you. <laughs> hey, I'm not slapping that back. I'll take the credit. And uh, <laughs> Pete Stones says, the discussion on the hashtag LUFC pod from Emma, Jermaine, Matt and Pat about social media abuse is well worth everyone hearing. Real people telling their experiences. So clearly it's a subject that resonates with lots of you. Thank you for sending your thoughts in on that. Do keep doing that using the hashtag LUFC pod. And if you've no idea what we're talking about, just go back to last week's episode and give it a listen. Right then, lads, should we talk about the Sheffield United game? Hey, we won. Yeah. Because Jermaine <laughs> yeah. Bedford, you and I had um, had the honour of watching it together, didn't we? We did indeed. And I'm, I sent the uh, the guys a, a cheeky little video as, as well of you getting prepped. Me trying to fit into a dress that I hadn't worn before Easter, before <laughs> I indulged in a lot hold of on, Easter hold eggs. On. Let's just say that you were fully dressed first. Because it kind of oh, yeah. sounded a little bit, <laughs> yes. a little bit, you know can, what can I mean? I, yeah, a little bit of a backstory to that as well. We were in the green room and the makeup artist was trying to zip my dress up and she was really struggling, <laughs> Easter chocolate. And so she turned to Jermaine and went, can you give me a hand? And Jermaine went, yeah, and got his phone out and filmed it. That was his idea of, of helping us out. So hey, cheers, Jermaine. I'm, I'm in it for the team. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the entire night. Was, was it Indonesia you mm. were doing? We were broadcasting yeah, to thinking- Indonesia. Of the nation of Indonesia having to put up with you two for 90 minutes. <laughs> no, no. Two and a bit hours, actually. Yeah. Oh, God. I'd love to see the viewing stats on that day. They must have had subtitles on, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, fortunately... They need that every weekend with me. We had a translator, so we were all right. Oh, is it? Oh, wow, okay. What I love is that he could be saying absolutely anything about us yeah, to true. the nation of Indonesia, true. Jermaine, and he probably was. Um, but Patrick, how are you feeling after that? Win. Yeah, good actually. I think that as far as it go as our games have gone, I think that was probably one of our worst. Like the way we played as a team, it seems it sounds weird because we won, but I don't think we actually played particularly well. Like we were a little bit sloppy. I think if we were on the top of our game and hadn't kind of taken our foot off the pedal, I think it could have been seven or eight one. It was just one of them where we. I don't want to say that they made it easy, but um, they kind of. They didn't put up much of a fight. And you can only play what's in front of you. And they kind of, they weren't coming at us in a way that we could break and cut them open until until late on in the second half when they did actually try and put up a bit of a fight. And then on the counter-attack, we did cut them to ribbons. So you make an interesting point that you can only play what's in front of you. Yeah. But I do think that if we were on our A game, those especially last 10, 15 minutes when we were breaking, you'd see like we were running forward with five of our players yeah. and yeah. all of their players were struggling to get back. It was just that final pass wasn't quite there and it was a little bit disappointing, but we got three points. Do you find it difficult after the international break sometimes? Yeah, I was blowing. (laughs) After having a a week off without um, training, Mm. I was like getting your first wind. I feel like sometimes people say, yeah, players could do with a rest. Like the two weeks off over international break without a game will help. Sometimes it's better just to keep plowing through the games because... When you do have that like little break away from the games, it all catches up on you rather than you keep moving through it without giving it time to hit you. So I think it can work both ways. The players have, have gone off to other national teams and have been learning how to play different formations, different different um, tactics. And suddenly, is it quite difficult to suddenly click back into getting on the, each other's wavelength again after after that sometimes? I think so. I don't think it's, it's probably not as difficult at Leeds because... Um, I think Marcelo goes through the international boys' clips with them and tells them what he would want them if they were playing in the Leeds team, what he'd want them, what he'd want them oh, doing wow. and things like that. Obviously, different managers want different things. So it's 
when you do go over international teams, I'm guessing they can't always be bombing up and down like fullbacks, for instance. <laughs> can't be going up and down like that. Um, well, they should be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you're pretty soon uh, in tune again with the Leeds way. It's mad that though, Pat, that like you say, you know, a week off, like for most, for, for normal people, that's not a big deal, you know, to have a week off, mm. whatever your schedule is, if you do keep fit and stuff. But it's mad that it can have that much of an impact on you. Is that as much mentally as it is physically? I think mentally it's good. I think that, it's probably more important to get the mental break mm. um, than the physical break. I think mentally you feel like fresh when you come back if you've had a little break, but it's the physical side of it. I think, imagine like someone who worked in an office and went on holiday for a week and just didn't have to think about their work or anything. And then that first day back when they go into work, like getting up and everything, it seems that extra little bit harder than it did if you were doing it the day after going mm. into work the day before. So that, I think that's the way on. Makes me think about everyone that's been furloughed for the last year, going back into the yeah, office for the first imagine time. That. Imagine that. <laughs> Bigger Wait, my, mates, <laughs> my mates have been uh, furloughed for like over a year now. And um, they're saying they can't imagine like what it's like working normally again. So it's going to be interesting. Pat, you were on the field at the time. What that that Tyler Roberts, that challenge. Oh on, my on, God. Yeah. What yeah. was that? Like, what was, did you speak to the, did anyone speak to the referee and ask him what that was about? Do you know Actually, when it happened, I don't think any of the boys thought of it as being a bad tackle because we literally thought that it was just two coming together and like bumping into each other and the ball just ricocheted in. So no, I, I didn't notice that it like kind of jumped in with two feet. So none of the boys said anything to the ref about right. a potential red card or what is the guy doing? It wasn't until after the game that we realised like that tackle was naughty. I mean, it was 100% a booking. And then if VAR had looked at it, it was probably a red card. Yeah, looking back at it, yeah. it was 100% a red. I've never seen Jermaine Beckford more animated in my life as when that happened. Really? He didn't get a booking. <laughs> <laughs> and you you lot know me, so that, that saying something. Yeah, yeah, you must have gone wild. I was out of my chair. I was losing my rag, honestly. I almost broke the studio, all sorts. <laughs> I mean, what did, what did Tyler make of it? Was he was he kicking off? No, he didn't even, on the pitch, didn't say anything. What? So he was just like, as if it was um, like a 50-50. He didn't even say, wow. oh, he's gone in up against me, studs up and that. So there wasn't, on the on the pitch, there wasn't like a big fuss made of it. Wow. It was quite strange, really. I mean, I just, and, I get, and I get the the referee, if he's not seen it and he thought the same as you lot and no one's pressuring him or whatever, but... What, that, isn't that the point of VAR? I mean, obviously Tyler's fine and they actually played had a fantastic game. Um, so it's it's all right, but we don't want to see stuff like that, especially not getting away with it. Yeah, no, he, he was lucky, looking back at it, he's lucky that he didn't get caught bad if his foot's planted there and he hits his foot and he's, he's in trouble. <laughs> I wanted to ask about Tyler actually, because he's been playing so well recently and yeah. he doesn't have the stats to show for it because he's not getting the assists and he's not getting the goals because of various reasons that we've talked about with VAR and he's been very unlucky and all this stuff, but he's been so good value for it. He's, he's not getting down in the dumps, is he? Because he's playing so well and his, his stats should actually be reflecting so much more than they are right now. No, he's not getting down about it. I think he's enjoying his spell in the team, to be honest. And he... He makes jokes about the fact that VAR is killing him. But <laughs> uh, if it wasn't for VAR, he'd have a, a few assists and a couple of goals. But every time he brings it up, to be honest, I just have a little dig at him saying, you didn't pass to me on Saturday. Just like kind of bring him back down to earth. Like, what, it actually happened in training today, right? We were doing a passing drill and he's overhit the pass. So it's gone straight through to the keeper when it's my, my chance to have a shot. And I'm like, oh, for f- 
take Ty. That's exactly what you did on Saturday. <laughs> I can hear the groundsman laughing and Ty's laughing his head off. Like, obviously found it funny. And um, I didn't even mean to, but the next time the ball came, like I've kicked it, I've kicked it well ahead so that he can't get it. <laughs> when, it when it was his shot. <laughs> and obviously then Calvin chucks his fucking two penneth worth in. And, oh. <laughs> Saying I did it on purpose and stuff. He's taking it well anyway. Just between us, did you do it on purpose? Yeah, <laughs> it was it was payback, and I put it just like a little bit too far ahead of him, just a yard ahead, just too much. Yeah, I love that. I used to do just, that all the time. Just to let him know, don't let me miss my shot again. <laughs> and Patrick Jack Harrison, of course, scored his seventh goal of the season, and he mentioned after the game about um, using a sports psychologist to help him improve. Is that something that all of you are doing at the minute? I don't know about everyone in the team. I think. To be honest, I didn't even know Jack did it. I think it's one of them things that you keep kind of close to yourself. Like I've had one since I was probably like 22, so five years. And it's one of them where it's something you do away from the club. So you'd work with him personally on different things that are specific to you. So it isn't something that the club implements. They don't say, we recommend you have one or anything. They just say, it's up to you. Yeah, yeah. It's something you have to do off your own back. I'm quite fascinated by it. I feel like this could be a podcast all in itself and it depends on how much you want to divulge. But how much of it, because you said it's like personal to you, how much of it is about um, relating your like things in your personal life or what's going on to on the pitch? Or is it just solely your mindset on the pitch? Um, It might differ with different people. Like for me, for instance, I'll speak to him. um, It's called David. I speak to him like when I'm driving to the hotel, or to the stadium the day before the game. I'll speak to him on the car on the way there, just like have a chat, he'll ask me how my week was and stuff. And that will kind of just, I think for him, that gives him a feeling of how I've been feeling throughout the week. And then I'll speak to him again, just before we go down for our last meeting, before we leave to the stadium on the day of the game. And that's kind of like, just emptying your mind and certain things that you're working on in the game, like visualization and stuff like that is, uh, it differs from game to game, really, but it depends how your week's been. It's fascinating. It, is it something you ever used, Jermaine? Um, while I was playing, do you know what? Not in a professional sense of the matter, of the, the word, the phrase, but I used to speak to my, my family, my brothers. I used to speak to my, my dad and my mum. And so I used to get that, similar to what Patrick's saying there, I used to get everything from them. So it's almost like dumping your your concerns of the game, your your worries about the game, and then just reinforcing the positive sides of it and, mm. and letting hearing it from a different person, different people who are not necessarily within the football industry, the football world, that you're on the right track, that you're doing the right things, that you are good enough, that you can score, that you're uh, going to win the game, etc. So in terms of an actual um, psychologist, no, but I did have people that I could lean on. I'm really interested in that, Bex, actually, because um, in terms of a psychologist, it's not something I've ever done. But with my field, I find that actors are usually very, very open about stuff because we're kind of, it's quite unique what we do and we're all sort of in it together and a lot of the same anxieties and we've had the same experiences and all this kind of stuff that when you actually share it, you suddenly go, oh, I'm not the only one that's freaking out about this, that's having these problems. And suddenly you realise every actor I've pretty much ever worked with had the same issues. Um, That always just has helped me feel much more relaxed and much calmer, knowing that everyone else doesn't have a clue what they're doing either. So I was wondering (laughs) if, I know you said, Pat, that it's something that you play close to your chest. 
usually, mm-hmm. but is it? Do you guys talk about this stuff, particularly strikers, for example? Do you discuss with other strikers in the club? Are you close enough that you can all go, "Hey, I'm worried about this," and they'll go, "I'm worried about that as well," and suddenly you realise you're not the only one freaking out about something. And not so much. I think that as much as it's like it's a team game, I think that in that kind of sense, no one's re- everyone's a little bit reluctant to give a little bit of themselves away, especially. Uh, to someone who's I think they'd look at it as someone who's in the same position you wouldn't want to be like them to see that as a weakness for you right so I think people kind of keep that to themselves I know that there was um, like you know with social media we were on about last week I know that when we went on tour to Australia a lot of the boys were on about that like it was Coops Forsh Luke Ayling um, Stewie Dallas me we're talking Rufy as well when he was still here we're talking about it and just saying like how they learned to ignore the abuse and stuff like that. So with certain things, you speak about it. With certain things, no. And is that a sport thing, do you think? Is that like a, a very masculine, um, not ego, but just a, a very sort of testosterone-fueled sporting environment? Or is that because you're all potentially, particularly strikers, you're, they're vying for the same spot sometimes in the team and you, and, and you don't want to show any kind of, that you're not, 100% the man that should be starting is it, like why is it you don't talk I guess is what I'm trying to ask I'm not sure whether it's a sporting thing I mean Bex will probably say the same that you'll be friends with the, all the strikers you'll be friends with people in the team but don't get it wrong if they're trying to take the shirt off your back and they want to take your position you're not going to do it like it doesn't matter how good friends you are off the pitch like you're not going to give anything away or give them something that they can use to, to help them. And and vice versa as well. I, I completely agree. Because if there was something, if I wasn't in the team and I knew there was there was a weakness that I could use in my favour, listen, nothing but an open book me, I would I would use it. I'll be honest with you, I'd use it. But you wouldn't like, uh, you wouldn't like run off to the gaffer and be like, oh, he's just told me he's feeling a yeah. bit tired this week. <laughs> no, what, what I would do, I'd write a, a note on a stick it, on a post-it note and leave it on his door. <laughs> oh, I'm joking, I wouldn't. I'm okay, I wouldn't. <laughs> none of this. Same handwriting every time. Left hand, <laughs> write it with your left hand. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. But I would drop subtle little hints. Oh, has he, has he been sleeping all right? That kind of thing, you know, looks a little bit worn out. Wow. He must have worked. He must have worked hard earlier on in the week because today he was a bit off it, wasn't he? You know that that kind of stuff. <laughs> it's a real team game. Yeah. <laughs> it's a te- Listen, when we're on that pitch, when we're in the stadium, it's a team game, one hundred percent. But up until that point everybody's got a point to prove and everybody wants to start. Everybody wants to be in that first 11. Maybe that's why it is so important that you have people or psychologists and those people to Mm. brain dump on basically outside. I actually think helps more when you're not playing. Like I found Mm. with me especially that I lent on him more when I was going through times in my career when I wasn't playing and to kind of just keep you working hard and keep you like little things like setting little goals or just keep your head on track when things weren't going the way you wanted them to. I mean, it's easy kind of to go along when things are going well, but it's like when you're in down in the dumps, you sometimes need someone. I actually think this honestly could be a podcast all on its own. I think it's absolutely fascinating. Um, and if you do have any questions about that, please do send them in using the hashtag LUFCpod. 
obviously, Patrick, you only have to answer questions that you're comfortable with. I realise I'm just, I volunteer Patrick to answer it's, all it's your medical questions. medical history all out yeah, there for yeah, anyone yeah. who wants to read it. It's all yours. Um, and I guess, really, um, how you feel psychologically kind of ties into what we're going to talk about next, because the upcoming fixtures, of course, now, back-to-back games against Man City, Liverpool and Manchester United. Of course, City first up this Saturday. I know when we spoke to you, Patrick, um, about these upcoming fixtures, you said these are the games that you get quite excited about. Now that it's mm. imminent, it's about to happen, how are you feeling ahead of, particularly the Man City game, I guess, because that's the first one? Good, to be fair. I'm I'm a little bit frustrated that after the Sheffield game, obviously no one wants to get taken off. So I was mm. a little bit frustrated with that. And then the fact that being a striker, I didn't score. So now I'm like kind of extra eager to get into the next one. And the fact that it is Man City kind of makes it a little bit bigger. I mean, scoring against them is... It's not an easy thing to do, but it's something that I want to do. So I'm kind of eager to get going. I know that you've always said throughout the year that you, you're always looking towards the next target. Mm-hmm. And I know I asked you a few weeks ago about you got your first few goals and did it really, you know, were, were you still feeling hard hard on yourself to, to score more? And you were like, no, it's always the next target, the next thing, the next thing. But as we said a couple of weeks ago, if you don't score again to the end of the season, you've still smashed it. You've got, you know, uh, 20 goals and assists even if you don't score again is there a degree of pressure off is what I want to know I know you will admit, you don't want to admit it because you want to feel like you're still trying to get to 20 goals but do you feel like people aren't breathing down your neck anymore no I still put pressure on myself to hit score a goal. if I don't score a goal even in the Premier League if I haven't scored one week I'm fuming right. so I, I'm still putting pressure on myself to score and I know that whilst the manager's not one to say he has to score and putting pressure on me to score he's kind of pushing me to keep improving. So there's always that, there's the pressure from the coaches and the manager to keep improving and getting better. And that's for, for every player. And then there's like the stuff that I put on myself, which is oh, I want to score. And then like, it sounds daft. Like, I wouldn't have thought at the start of the season, but see Harry Kane hit, reach 19 goals. I'm like starting to panic thinking, it's like five goals more now and like I'm going to have to start pulling my finger out of it so there's different types of pressure you've set an expectation level of yourself so you've done so well you know that you can do it you know you can score against anybody in the league so the expectation levels of you going into the game pretty much what mine was as well whenever you go into any game you know you're capable of scoring. Yeah, so, so that's where that, that pressure comes from. Yeah. Uh, with with that in mind, Pat, and I don't I, we don't want to be mm. too negative, but I'm just interested in your opinion. And I don't yeah. want to say that, I don't I don't want to say that it went wrong because it didn't go wrong. But what do you think happened um at the weekend against Sheffield United for yourself? I mean, did they focus heavily on you? Were they marking you out? Like what what was it? Um I'm not sure because I d- during the game I thought, oh, do you know what? I've, maybe I haven't put like I haven't run around enough, I haven't made enough movements to get on the ball. But I looked at the stats and my stats were actually like really high up there with some of the ones I've done this year. So I thought maybe it was just one of them where sometimes you have games as strikers where the ball goes everywhere but to you. And mm-hmm. it feels like no it feels like no one's giving you the ball. And, and that's not the case. It's just that it seems to be dropping for everyone else or you're providing, you're linking up and then you're struggling to get to the finishing part of the play. I think it was just one of them games and if that had been last year or the year before, I'd have been still kind of fuming about it today and like dwelling on it a lot and kind of thinking, oh, pressure's really, really on, like putting unnecessary pressure on myself for the next game. Whereas I've kind of learned this year that I've had games like that before and I felt bad the day after and been a bit like annoyed with myself with how I've played. 
But I kind of just taught myself to just sweep it under the rug. I know we're talking about it now, but in terms of like the ill feeling towards it or the yeah. negative feeling towards it, just sweep that away and like go to the next game. Because it, was, it wasn't, because I've talked about this, we had quite a few people down for the game at the weekend. The Orlando Whites is growing. Mm. And um, we're all sort of chatting about it. And I've chatted to some people back in the UK this week and you didn't have a bad game at all. Some of the runs you were making were were, were inspired. But as exactly as you just described, like the passes weren't finding you or players weren't picking you up. And it wasn't that you had a bad game. It's that you just, you were you were less involved. Mm. And and I know that earlier on in the, in the season, a couple of times that's happened, as you've just mentioned, and, and I could see you getting quite visibly frustrated. But as the season's gone on, you haven't done. You've just got your head down and, and knuckled on. And I was wondering, I mean, you've kind of answered it. You said that you've learned it yourself. Has that come from from Marcelo or is that something just for yourself? You've gone, look, I'm just going to have those games, just crack on. Yeah, afterwards, that's working with the the psychologist and the guy, other guy I work with, that just sweeping it under, rug, under the rug is something that we've kind of worked on. Just forget about them kind of games. Like learn from them, but don't dwell on them. And then also... The games that the previous games that have happened mm. in the season where I have shown my frustration and I've been frustrated that I haven't received the ball or that certain things weren't going my way. We kind of looked at that and saw that it's not benefiting me. Like I'm then more tense. And it's been it's happened where I've been frustrated in a game and then a chance has dropped to me. And because I'm frustrated, I've not like I've either snatched at it or I've not put it away when probably or at least hit the target. So during the game, I'm always thinking, like, if I'm frustrated get it out of your system quick. Just keep going and just keep thinking. Even if it's not going to happen, keep believing that you're going to get another chance, another chance. And then I did. I did, ended up getting a chance with the volley, but the keeper came out. So it was just always think that there's going to be another chance. It's just something that I'd noticed and I thought it was a testament to your character. I just wanted to bring it up. So. Oh, thanks. Oh, friends. <laughs> <laughs> Football friends. <laughs> just... Um... Does Bielsa's attitude change, Patrick, depending on the result or how you played? Or is he just very level? If we lose a game, or sometimes if we draw, but definitely if we lose, there'll be a chat in the changing room after. Um, how long does that last? Be <laughs> probably five minutes. It's not a long chat. It'll just oh, say okay. what, what he thought, that if we gave everything, or just like a kind of very small debrief. And he'll yeah. walk up and down and he'll probably like pat everyone on the head. Um, oh, I love that, man. If we win... Whether or not, even if we don't play well, but we win, he will be buzzing and he will like high five everyone, like come over to everyone who sat down, like shake their hand and like thank all the physios and thank everybody. And he'll just be really happy that we've won. Um, Then the kind of actual debrief of where we can improve and what we've done wrong, what we can do better will happen during the week. But I think that he's put the amount of energy that goes into just winning the game. It's kind of like a relief for him when we do. Does he absolutely hammer you lot as well? Like if you if you've won but you've played badly, does he shake everybody's hands on like you played on the Tuesday and then on the Thursday does he shake everyone's hands except the one that's not had a good game? <laughs> He's like, yeah, yeah, you you played well, you played well, you not not so well. I'll come back to you in a minute and then carry on moving down the line. <laughs> no, no, no. He'll shake everyone's hand and um, when we have the meetings during the week, sometimes he will he was he will openly say like if someone's not ran enough or they might have run a lot, but they didn't have a great impact with the ball or things like that. And it's all very open within the meetings as to who's done well and who's not in his eyes. Yeah. But yeah, he never really, he will never... Singles anyone out. Yeah. And he will never blame anyone for playing bad. He doesn't, he knows that you can't play well all the time, but 
the big thing is that if you do do the running and you do put the effort in, you've got a higher chance of playing well. Yeah, That's where his big kind of emphasis is on. And does his Love approach that, to uh, the build-up to a game like Sheffield United, does it differ to a game like this weekend against Manchester City? And how? Um, c- certain games, yeah. It's, it's hard to put your finger on which one and why. But certain games, I feel like there's a lot more, like everything seems to be intensified in the training, the, the videos, the meetings and everything. Um, I don't know why. I think it's just, it's not like one game's more important than the other. It's just sometimes it just really does seem like the heat's turned up. But yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell you why that is, whether it, that might just be my, the way I feel it. I mean, I'm sure he treats every game exactly the same. And, and does he, you know, with, with this game, will he look at areas, for example, against Manchester City where he thinks, actually, you're better than them or there are vulnerabilities here that you can get in? Does he do that kind of thing with you? Especially when it's like one of the top, top teams. I think so. I think that... He he knows that Man City are a better team than us. I think everyone knows that. But there's, I think he also knows that if we do things a certain way, we can actually make them play worse, which help us in a way. Help us kind of overcome them and dominate them. It's hard. It's hard to explain without actually being in the meeting there and seeing mm. exactly what he's saying, because it, it's just difficult to kind of put it back into to words. But there is, I think he fully believes that we can win and every aim is to win. I would say it's a great time for us to play them as well because they're playing uh, Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League in between. Um, yeah. And in between those two games, sorry, you've got us. So it's going to be a, it's probably, as he mentioned before, the worst time to play against Leeds United because of the way we play and the way we set up and the energy that we we function with. You know, this is a, a title that he's been going for for ages and he wants it and he wants it he needs it actually with Mm. Man City so you know it'll be interesting to see what he what he thinks and how he approaches that game it's a good job he hasn't got 200 million worth of players in reserve (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. very valid point Pat no but um, Patrick for you that's a huge compliment to to you guys isn't it that Pep Guardiola's come out and said that yeah and I think that he has spoke, spoken highly of Leeds a lot over this season. And I know he's a big admirer of um, of Bielsa and says that he's kind of like the godfather of football and that he's never seen anyone put as much into the game as he does. So I think that I, I reckon, I couldn't be sure, but I reckon he's probably a manager that like enjoys watching Leeds when he can as well. I might have just totally made that up, but I just... I like it, though. (laughs) Yeah, we'll take it. I imagine that he just admires the audacity of of Bielsa and Leeds United. I mean, what Bielsa's sort of done this year is come in and turn on its head so many preconceptions of what the Premier League is. You've had so many managers over the years who've gone, oh, I'd love to play like a Pep Guardiola side, but I just don't have the players. And Bielsa's gone, don't need that. You can still Mm -hmm. play like that. You've just got to do X, Y, Z. And obviously these managers either didn't know that or weren't prepared to do it or couldn't get the players to do it or whatever. And and I think Bielsa's probably ruffled so many feathers by doing that. And Pep must must really admire that because, I mean, whether he'd admit it or not, could Pep do what Bielsa's done with players that aren't worth a squad, a squad worth a billion pounds? Probably not. So mm. I imagine he does enjoy watching Leeds just for the sheer audacity of it. And also we're, um, we're the number sixth most watchable team in Europe. That was uh, that was Who, announced this who's week. Who's the first? Bayern Munich. Second? Um, we're number one in, in England. 
Um, I think second was maybe Barcelona, maybe. I'll have to get the list up. But we were we were sixth overall in Europe and number one in England. Decent. Also, touching on Barcelona, Pat, yeah. well done to you. Well done goes out to you. Having a chat with Dembele, getting him scoring in the 92nd, oh, 93rd minute. Mate, hats off to you, mate. mate. I was keeping that, to you. Honestly, I was keeping that under lids that we had a little FaceTime call before the game and just told him how important it was. And he came up with a good, so... <laughs> Cash. You're a sports Cash. psychologist. Um, Matt, as a fan, what are you expecting from the game this weekend against Man City? Um, the same as the reverse fixture, to be honest. Um, I mean, I think that they're a different beast to what they were at the start of the season. Um, they've, they're have they obviously, what, they've lost one game in about what, 25 or something crazy. Um, and... Um, and so they're obviously, you know, much more comfortable in themselves and what they're going to do and all the rest of it. But Bex brought up the Champions League and and he's not wrong. It's the one trophy that Pep desperately wants. Um, they've already won the league. So, you know, having to beat Leeds is not crucial for them in the same way that beating Dortmund is. And so we do have a slight advantage there, but then also Pat reminded us that their reserve team's worth yeah. probably twice our first team. So um, they've still got a great squad, but I think that we can just do exactly what we did in the reverse where we can just upset their rhythms, make them uncomfortable. They don't like people getting in their faces and obviously the Leeds press is going to do that. And um, it's whether or not they can they can play around us quick enough. And, and also we've scored more counter-attacking goals this season than they have. So, you know, it's not that we can't hit them just the same way. And as and it's a it's it's pressures off. Man City have won the league, it's a free hit. Just go out, enjoy yourselves and who knows what's gonna happen. Yeah, I think everyone's just excited for this weekend's game, aren't they? Hey lads, we're covering all the big topics on this week's Leeds United podcast. I'm gonna throw this one out to you. Who has got the better celebrity fans, Leeds or City? Uh, Leeds. I mean who's Man City got? They've only got the Gallagher. Yeah, oh. right. Gallagher's and what, Ricky, Ricky, yeah. Ricky, Ricky Hatton? We've got Matt. Yeah, we've got a guy in Harry Potter. <laughs> we've exactly. got Neville. That's some of that. <laughs> two, two guys in Harry Potter. Ralph, Ralph Ineson was in Harry Potter as well. So straight off the bat, you've got two people in Harry Potter and Russell Crowe, Maximus Decimus Meridius. And what about... And LL Cool J. LL Cool J, that's him. LL Cool Boom. J, huge fan. Yeah. Colin, Colin Montgomery. John Richardson. Listed John Richardson. Comedian. Um, um, I just name I don't know any other City fans. What about um, the ginger kid from Corrie? Coulson. No. Chesney. Have Coulson I got the wrong well. soap? Chesney. No, he was Coulson. Chesney. Coulson Smith. Oh, he's on about this dude. Yeah. The best thing is, me and Matty are in a group chat with him in it. Yeah, him. So we've got Coulson Smith and Jack Shepard <laughs> to add to that. Um, yeah. Is there anyone else we could think Chris of? Chris Moyles. Yeah. Chris Moyles is a Leeds yeah. fan. Kaiser Chiefs. Kaiser Chiefs. Kaiser's, yeah. Nick Faldo, probably. <laughs> probably. Josh Warrington. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hang on, hang on. Uh, wh- what I want to know is, what is this group chat? Is it just a celebrity Leeds fan group chat? Yeah, what is this? Yeah, and bear in mind, he only put me in it like two months ago. So he's oh. been keeping this from me for some time. And then, and then he just put me in there. Hold on, <laughs> hold on. I invited you in. I bought you in. It's been going on for years, apparently, this. Do you want me to take you out? (laughs) The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. That's how it is, is it? I see. Um, Lads, here you go. Here's a Leeds United podcast challenge, okay? We want every single member of your Celebrity Leeds fan WhatsApp group on this podcast at some point. Can you do it? 
Yes. I'm a, I'm a new member, so I don't know, but I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bex, as admin, can you arrange that, please? Yes, I'll put it in the group. Thank you. Um, so we've agreed Leeds United have obviously got the better celebrity following. Manchester City have got the Gallagher brothers. Is there anyone else? They've got the Gallaghers and Ricky Hatton. That's all I can think of. Matt, didn't Liam used to come down to the Harry Potter set? Wasn't he a big fan? Uh, he, yeah, he did come down once. Um, I'd been working Monday to Thursday and he came to visit on the Friday and I was so gutted and everyone knew how gutted I was because I, like, I had a poster of Oasis up in my dressing room that um, they did go. Pat, they who got did on. you have posters up of when you were younger? <laughs> oh, man, he just got cut off. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger, wait, I, I just thought, of, before I answer that, Max, I've just thought of a story, Ricky Hatton. <laughs> You know when um, you know when you go uh, out on like Christmas yeah. do's and stuff with teams. We went on a Christmas do with Burnley and. Um... Who did you have posters of, Emma? <laughs> oh, that was oh, I'm going. <laughs> Matt, do you want to finish your story and then we'll probably wrap up because I feel like we're not going to get any sense from here on. Well, they signed me a birthday card. Next. Move on. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was it. Lads, oh, thank you so much for joining us for the official Leeds United podcast. Keep your comments and reviews coming in. They are massively appreciated. Uh, Patrick, best of luck for the game this weekend. Please do keep your comments and reviews coming in. We massively appreciate them. And uh, we'll see you next week. Cheers, lads. Bye. <laughs> <Toodle-doo>. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>